Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to read verses 17 through 21. I don't think I'm going to get to all of those, but in verse 17 it says, That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. So we're going to look at verse 17, and we can see that it says, Apostle Paul writes that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love. Now we've got a pretty long sentence here that that's that's going on, and all of these things kind of build and add one to another. As we can see that in verse 16 he says that he would grant you, that God would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might, by his spirit in the inner man. So it goes on, as he continues on, Paul, and he says, so that you would be strengthened with might by spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. When we look at this, he talks that, that Christ, what an amazing thing that Paul is going to tell us here. He's going to say that these things, what, can you imagine that, Somebody would tell you and come to you and say, you know what? I just want that Christ is going to dwell in your hearts by faith. How, th- how much thank, how thankful would you be if somebody would say that? That's how thankful we should be for what Paul is telling us here. That Christ, that Christ, when we look at this, that's, Jesus Christ was what? He was the anointed one. He was the Messiah. In Matthew it says he was the Emmanuel, which is what? which is God with us, God with us. You know, when we look at this, he's what? He's the second person of the Trinity. You know, we go, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So it's amazing when we look at these things. And he's the only begotten of the Father. When we look at these things, these are all what? Names for Jesus Christ. You can find all these things in the Bible, all these things that describe Christ. You know, when Roger was just talking about, you know, that what Christ did, excuse me, what Christ did for us upon the cross. See, that's another thing, that Christ, he died upon the cross for our sins. That Christ, this is just not a, any individual. You know, even his, even his apostles would say when he was in the ship and he came out, walked on the water, and then he came into the ship and said, you know, the waves and everything is peace be still. What is, what manner of man is this? What manner of man is this? He's more than a man. You know, in, 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 in John, the book of John, the first chapter, in the beginning was the word. And the word is Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. 
The same was in the beginning with God. I'm getting a little over what I really... And there was not anything made that was not made. So all these things were made by him and for him. So that's who we're talking about. This is not just any little stranger that we might read on the, meet on the street. This was the Son of God, Jesus Christ. So now we can kind of get a little bit of the enormity of what Paul is trying to convey unto us and what Paul wants for us, that Christ, that Christ, and he goes on, that Christ may dwell, I'm going to just stop that, may dwell, we can, well, let's just go, that Christ may what? May dwell in your hearts by faith. May dwell. I was looking at that. It means to house permanently. That Jesus Christ is not to be an occasional visitor to us, right? He's going to be residing permanently within us. This is it. It means to reside. Remember when we, I think it's up further, it says that, that, that he might dwell. You know, that he may dwell in your hearts, that he might reside. He's going to inhabit. He's going to be a part of us, and he should be a part of us, and he should always be a part of us. You know, you know how we say we have equations. Well, you know, if we take God out of the equation, if we take God out of our hearts, what do we have? What do we have, Bill? We ain't got nothing. We got nothing. It's the same way that if he's not risen from the dead, you know, if we don't have Jesus Christ, it's our, our faith is vain. What we believe in is, is no good. We have, we have nothing without him. You know, the one scripture, I wish I could remember like Brother Richie, you know, that, ah, now I forgot what I was going to say, you know, but it's that Christ would always be part of us. And that's what we want to understand. Um, turn, turn to Galatians chapter 2. It's easy to find. It's the book right before. Galatians chapter 2. And Apostle Paul is writing here to the church at Galatia. Look at verse 20. 20. He says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, I, I like when, when Paul writes in the first person. Because when we read it, Albert, it says that when I read it, I can say that I live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me. This is why when he's, when he's reading it, he, he loved me and gave himself for me when I read this. And it, it's just awesome when we see this. You know, the, the entire thing that are we not crucified with Christ? Are we not crucified with Christ? I'm here to say, yes, you are. I am crucified with Christ. You are crucified. Nevertheless, I live. I live. I'm alive spiritually. Yet not I, 
but Christ liveth in me. He's living in me. I can say it. He's, Christ is living in me. And the life which I now live in this body of flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. I live by the faith of the Son of God. How is it amazing when we can see this? This is what it means that Christ may dwell in you. That Christ may dwell in you. He's got to be, it's, he's got to be that part of us all the time. You know, we have to understand that this is not something part-time. It's easy to say, well, you know, yeah, it's okay for this week, but maybe not next week. And if, if it, if, if it puts a crimp, cramp, crimp on our lifestyle, then it's okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna push him to the side. But we can't do that. You can't push him to the side. That's like saying, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take part of this Bible, but the rest of it, I, I really don't think that pertains to me. We gotta understand this entire Bible pertains to us from Genesis to Revelation. You can't just take this out and say, you can't go through it and start ripping out pages out of the Bible and say, okay, you can't, you can't do that. It's all or nothing. You understand? It's all or nothing. And that's the way it is. Either Jesus Christ is a part of us or he's not. And that's a choice you have to make. Is he going to live within me all the time? And when he's living within us, you have to understand that he knows exactly everything about us. He's intimately acquainted with all of our ways. You know, in the book of Psalms, he knows our up-sitting. He knows our down-sitting. He knows everywhere we go and everything what we do. We can't hide from him at all. Not at all. It's amazing when we see this, that he may dwell, what? In our hearts. That Christ may dwell in your hearts. Now he's talking in a different, he's not in the first person here, because he's wanting these things for us. So that's why he's saying that Christ may dwell in your hearts. Your hearts. When we realize, we, we know that all of this is what? We can see that everything has to do with the heart. With the heart. When you ask for a home in the church, when you hear that still small voice saying, come unto me, you that are laboring and heavy laden, in the new birth, in the regeneration, what is the first thing that he does in the regeneration. Takes out that old heart and gives you a new heart. That old heart isn't going to do you any good anymore. So he gets rid of it and he gives you a new heart. He gives you a heart so that you can understand the spiritual things. These things enter into our hearts. And when we look at it, the heart is the best room in the house, isn't it? 
It's the best room in our body, the heart. You know, he's given us a spiritual heart. You know that if your heart stops beating, that you're not alive any longer. So we've got that heart beating within us. That's the central part of us, isn't it? And it's amazing when we look at this. He's just so good unto us. You know, it's, 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 it's a constant flame that's burning in our heart. You know, we look, when those two men were on the road to Emmaus, you know, after Jesus had been crucified, right? And they talked with Jesus, came up and talked with him, but he didn't make himself known unto them. And then when he blessed the bread, they realized who it was. And what did the one guy say to the other? Did not what? Our hearts burn within us. Did not our hearts burn within us? It's, it's, it's so amazing and we look at this. Uh, we're going to go way back into the Old Testament, Ezekiel. Hopefully I can find it. Yeah, there we are. Ezekiel chapter 36. We're going to read verses 26 and 27. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you an heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. This is amazing when you look at that. He says, a new heart will I give you. Wow. I'm going to give you a new heart. And not only is he going to get, he's going to give us a new spirit. He's going to put a new spirit within us. We no longer want to do the former things and the things we did before. We want to do those things. As in the Bible, it says those things that are what? Pleasing in his sight. And without having that new spirit within him, we could not do those things or spirit that are pleasing in his sight. For the natural man cannot receive the things that be of the spirit of God, because he says what? For they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. A new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away, remember we were just talking about, I'm going to take away that stony heart out of your flesh, out of your body, and I'm going to give you a heart of flesh, a new heart. A new heart. That circumcision for us is not of the flesh, but that circumcision is of the heart. The heart. He's taken that away. And look at what he says. This is when we, when we see these things and the words that are in here, and I will put my spirit within you. This just should just make us, you know, just appreciate the things that we have. That he is, the Lord God Almighty is going to put his spirit within you. 
And when he does these things, he's going to cause you to walk in his statutes. He's going to cause you. And we're going to want to do them. We're not going to, we're not going to fight them. <clears throat> you know, when, when we kind of, when we had kids and we tell them to do something sometimes, nah, I don't want to do that. I want to do this or I want to do that. I want to eat this. I want to do that. It's not going to be that way because he's going to cause us to walk. We're not going to rebel against him. We're going to walk in his statutes and ye shall keep my judgments and we're going to do them. Because that is all along what God wants us. I, I, I want to read, read something that I, that I wrote down. Um, we must awake our hearts and stir up our affections. It shows that in most men's hearts, Christ does not dwell. Because their affections were never set on him. Their joy and love were never about him. Well, what do we need to do? What do we do? We need to get Christ into our hearts. Get him knit into us. That it's, it's become a part of us. It becomes a part of us. And then you shall receive grace from him. We're going to receive grace from him. And as you are nearer in union with him, we get closer and closer to him. So he dwells more and more in our hearts. You know, can you imagine, or I, I'm not going to say can you imagine, can you remember when you were one of those and that our affections were never set on him? I can look back and I can raise my hand, Albert, and say, yeah, I was like that. My affections were not set on him. My, our, my joy and my love were never about him. It was about the things of the world. And you're going to ask me, and you're going to say, well, you know what, Brother Dave, how can you say that? How can I say that? <clears throat> Where in time past, you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, Satan. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Among whom also we all had our conversation in times past and the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. That's how I can say that I was that way, you were that way, we were all that way at one time. Our thoughts and our affections were not on Jesus Christ. Yeah, occasionally it was pretty good. You know, but we're thankful for one thing, though, that God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love, wherewith he loved us, what does it say? You know what I'm going to say. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. This is why, you know, 
That's why we need to continue to hold on to him. You know, isn't he precious unto us? He's so good to us. He's precious. You know, don't you want to just grab onto him and hold him and never want to let him go? That's how our hearts should be today. That we want him. We want him in there. And it's not so much that we, we want him. We do want him there, but we need him in there. That Christ may dwell in your hearts. And we look at these things by faith. By faith. You know, and... Uh, You know, we got to have strong faith. And you know, it has to be, it has to be strong. Or when we look at it, what? Our love will not be fervent for each and every one of us. It won't be. We've got to have that faith. I wrote down here, and we know that it, it's not how much faith we have, but who do we have faith in? Who do we have faith in in this world? You know, we look at so many things and so many people in this world in which we live right now put so much faith in our government. They put faith in our president and in some of our senators. But I'm telling you, you don't want to have faith in them. You want to have faith in Jesus Christ. You want to have faith in God. These are the things that we need. I wrote down some things here, and it says, gives us, gives us to understand by faith. It gives us to understand what it is which bringeth us to have union and communion with Christ. It's a belief in him. That's why when we have faith in him, You know, that it's a belief in him. We have to believe in him to have faith in him. It's kind of one and the same. We believe in him because we have faith in him. We have faith in him because why? Because we believe in him. You know, trust not the world and the things of this world. Because they're all going to let us down. The things of this world are always going to let you down. I'm going to go back to that woman that had that issue blood for 12, for 12 years. And she came up in the, in the press. People were thronging Jesus and she, she believed and had faith because she said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. Remember, she was unclean. She had that issue of blood. She was, according to the priests, and in Israel at that time, she was unclean. She wasn't even supposed to touch him. And she did. She touched the hem of his garment. And what did Jesus say to her? Thy faith hath made you whole. Because she believed. She had faith and she believed. And these things were accomplished for each and every one. I can't take credit for this. I think it was uh, Gill's commentary. This should make us see what a jewel faith is. 
what a jewel of faith is and seek it. Crying with the apostles, Lord, increase our faith. Turn to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17, verses 5 and 6. And the apostles said unto the Lord, Increase our faith. And the Lord said, If ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye might say unto the sycamine tree, Be thou plucked up by the roots, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. Okay, you had to have faith, but you had to believe what you were saying. You can have faith, but do you believe what you were saying? That's what we see here. If you had that faith, you had to believe that what they were going to do was going to, what was going to happen. Turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. I want to read verses 1 and 6. Now we look at verse 1. It says, now faith is the substance or the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And in verse 6, it says what? In verse 6, he says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that, oh, excuse me, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So if we want to please God, we have to have that faith. And that faith is what? Believing. Must believe that he is. We must believe in God. We must believe that he is. Or else everything we have is totally worthless. We have to believe in these things. We need to believe in Jesus Christ and that he is who he is for each and every, for each and every one of us. You know, I said this before, but you know what? He should not be a casual visitor, but that he would ever reside within us. Look at Colossians chapter 1. Verse 27. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is what? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ is in you, that hope of glory. So we look on to this. It says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. We've got that. We got that down. So now we're looking at that what? That ye being rooted and grounded in love. Rooted and grounded 
in love. So we're looking at, at two terms here. One is agricultural, and the other one is architectural. We look at these things and we see that rooted and grounded. That rooted, when we look at that, it's, it's something that's firmly established, just like a tree whose roots are planted down. When something's rooted, you know, it's, I guess we can go to the parable of the sower, but we know for our own planting, right, that if you don't plant something right and you don't get that roots into the ground and you don't water that, what's going to happen? That plant is going to die. That's like saying if you take a tomato plant and you just stick it standing straight up and you don't dig a hole and put it in there, what's going to happen? We all know that that plant is what? It's going to die. It's not going to, it's not going to do anything. You know, the same thing, you have to water it. You just can't, you just can't plant a plant and not water it. When we had our little place over there on Randolph Street, when I worked at Thrall Car, this one guy, his name was Mark Mendez, he was getting ready to build his house. And he said, uh, hey Dave. I says, yeah. He says, uh, when are you going to plant your field? I says, well, we're going to do it next week. Okay, I know to tell the guys to dig the foundation for my house next week because every time you plant, it don't rain for a week. <laughs> so it was kind of funny. But see, this is what it is, though. So you, you, you know, and it, it, but it has to be that way, you know, and it's, you know, just like a tree that's planted by the waters, you know, and its, it's, its roots go down deep into the earth. And you can see how good it is. It's just like we've had a lot of bad storms lately. You see some of these trees that have been blown over by the wind, and you look down and you see, oh yeah, them like roots didn't look like they were very deep, were they? So we can see we gotta we gotta dig down and into the roots. Um, go to uh, Psalms chapter one. Psalms chapter 1. I'm going to read verses. Right, let's, let's read the whole psalm. It's, it's not that big. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. That means in his law, in, in his law doth he study day and night. And she shall be like a river planted. I'm not, I can't read, can I? And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. The reason why I wanted to is because we're rooted. I wanted to read all of this because we're rooted. We're rooted and we're grounded and we can see what happens. You know, if we're walking that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, we're blessed. Then we're standeth in the seat. 
But our delight, isn't our delight in the law? The law, the law of the Lord. His statutes, his judgment of the Lord. We're going to be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. And it goes on to say the ungodly are not like that. So we can look at both of these things and see this. Turn to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, verse 7. It says, Apostle Paul, writing church at, at uh, Colossae, says, Rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. So remember, we were talking about rooted and grounded. Here it says, rooted and built up in him. So we're not rooted, but we're grounded in him. Grounded in him. We're going to get to that in just a second. It's, it's so awesome when we look at these things and see how good he is unto us. So we've looked at rooted. We really need to be that way. And grounded. Founded as a building is on a foundation. You know, this word grounded is taken from architecture, and it's where a firm foundation is laid. You know, and I, so as I was thinking of that, and I was writing this down, I thought, wow. You know, we have Song 146 in our book. And it's, it's titled, How Firm a Foundation. You know, and it starts out and it says, How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in his excellent word. What more can he say than to you he hath said, you who unto Jesus for refuge have fled? How firm a foundation is laid for your faith. Faith. It's, it's amazing when we look at that. Turn to, let's turn first to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1 verse 23. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled. So we can see that. Grounded and settled. And be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. We need to continue. We can see continue in the faith. Grounded and settled. Grounded in the Lord. So no matter what is going to come upon us, it's going to be okay. Turn to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. We're going to read verses 24 through 27. Therefore, this is Jesus Christ speaking unto us. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man 
which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth those sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall thereof. We need to be rooted and grounded in love. We need to be rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ. And when we are, if we hear it, the sayings of Jesus Christ and doeth them, we're, we're gonna, we're, he's going to liken us unto a wise man. We're wise. We're not foolish. A wise man. He built his house upon a rock. And that rock is what? For us is that rock is Jesus Christ. And when the rain comes and the floods come and the winds blew and it beat upon that house, when the trials and tribulations of life come upon us, we're not going to deviate. We're not going to fall. For it was founded upon a rock. So we know we're going to go through a lot of tribulations, a lot of trials in our life. We're going to suffer from the name of Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us these things are going to happen to us. But when we're grounded, when we built our foundation on Jesus Christ, when these things happen unto us, nothing is going to happen to us. We're going to be okay. The last thing it says that we are rooted and grounded in love. In love to Jesus Christ. In love to each other, aren't we? In love. He's writing this to the Ephesians. And to all, to all the faithful in Jesus Christ. Because in chapter 1, in verse 1, it says that, Paul, he's an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Jesus Christ. Now, we're rooted and grounded in love. And who is love? Jesus. Jesus is love. Remember what Brother Leroy is going through right now. All of these things. You know, love. We can go back to John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. Everlasting life. Ephesians chapter 2. Verses 5 and 6, you know, when he says, even when we were dead in sins. You know, He's quickened us together with Christ. Look at what he says. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together. And the great love that he had for us. Wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in sins. When we see these things. How amazing it is. The last place I'd like to go to is 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Now, you know, 1 Corinthians chapter 
13 is talks about charity. In the very end, I think Brother Leroy read this also. And now abideth faith, hope, and charity, which is love. But the greatest of these is what? The greatest of all these things is charity, which is love. How much love Jesus Christ had for us. We were talking that he died upon the cross for us. What love he has for his children. It's amazing when we see these things. Um, I guess I didn't get very far just in verse 17. But there was so much in verse 17. And even the rest of these. When we look at these things and see the things that are contained in there. And when you really, you really start studying these things out. Then you see how great his love is for us. That Christ may dwell in our hearts by faith. That we should be rooted and grounded in love. I thank you for your kind attention this morning.